Uh, allow our children to be dismissed to Children's Church. They can go head right back over there to the back door. Brother Nick's going to take them because Miss Angie didn't want to do Children's Church this morning. So, right, Miss Angie? Yep. <laughs> I'm just and joking. An amen. And an amen. Hey, listen, what good, uh, good truth we were singing about this morning. Has your heart already been blessed and touched this morning? Amen. amen. Our God is good. His mercy endures forever. Our God is good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. Hey, listen, let's do this. We're going to be in uh, 1 Peter again today, and we're looking through this uh, series, Chosen Exiles. Uh, I forgot to change the, uh, the, uh, the passage of Scripture there, but we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to begin in verse number 3, but before we do that, let's go to the Lord this morning, and, and uh, as we open up his uh, written word, we think about his living word, Jesus, and we think about his breathed word, the Spirit, and we want the Lord to speak to us today, and so... Might we come to him today and say, Lord, speak to me through your written word, through your lived word, Jesus, through your breathed word, the spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Oh, think about that song, old song, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Lord, might you speak to us today. Uh, Lord, there's fear in our hearts. Speak peace. There's grief. Speak comfort. Uh, there's sin and wrongs and hurts that we've done. Speak mercy and forgiveness. There's sin and wrongs and hurts that have been done to us. Speak healing. Uh, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would speak to us today. As we need, as individuals. And Lord, speak to us as the church. As this, uh, this, this light that we are supposed to be in this world. We confess that too often our, our instead of Shining out distinctively in this world, the church looks very much like the institutions of this world. We don't want that to be true of us here in our local body. We don't want it to be true of any church that is named by the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want your church, the salt, the light of this world to shine brightly. So Lord, speak to us. So that we may shine, so that we might shine a new, bright, peculiar light in the midst of this world that has all of its glitz and all of its glamour. Or else, maybe like this, in the world that sees all the dread and doom, might we shine some light in the midst of the darkness. Oh God, we pray. Be with me. Help me, Lord, to uh, be faithful to your word to the text that I have, but Lord, also faithful to the message that you've given to me. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help me to say everything that needs to be said and not a thing more. And uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help us that we could all be attentive and attuned to your word. Might we cast out any 
thing that's going to detract us or distract us from hearing your voice, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Everybody said. So, uh, what I'm seeing uh, in people a lot pastorally, I see this emotion of fear that is uh, attached to people's consideration that we are increasingly becoming alien in our culture. Fear, man, where, where is this world headed? Or, or the world that I once knew is not here. To put it another way, there has been this idea of quote-unquote Christian America. And it seems to be slipping from grasp. And so then that raises a lot of fear and anxiety in people. So let me ask you, have you experienced such fear? Have you felt this? Now what I'm seeing in the midst of this is people enter into church buildings on Sunday mornings and they sit down and instead of those fears being dissuaded by the truth of the gospel and the theological truth of what happened to us in Christ Jesus, what I have heard and I see happening is instead of those fears being dissuaded, preachers up there wringing their hands over where we're headed and what they say is it's all doom and so the congregation comes in and you don't walk out hopeful encouraged uh, revitalized to live as a unique peculiar uh, set aside people you actually walk out and you, you don't feel much different than you did when you watched Fox News or CNN the night before. Hmm. And it only confirms everything that you're hearing everywhere else. Now, I find this very interesting because as we come to the book of 1 Peter, and we have to remember this, Peter is addressing people who are spiritually foreigners in their land. Right? They don't worship the same gods. Uh, they don't have the same allegiance to Caesar that the other people have as uh, allegiance to Caesar. So they're spiritually foreigners, but they're actually, as we saw last week, they're probably practically foreigners in their land. What we b- believe, and this is the supposition, is that, 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 that the gospel got to Upper Asia Minor because people were either by, by freedom or by force left Rome, people who knew Jesus, they left Rome, and they went to Upper Asia Minor. And Peter knew them because Peter ministered in Rome. We know that through church tradition. And Peter is writing to these people who are foreigners, literally foreigners, in these new cities. So these people, we remember, are spiritual foreigners in their land, and they're actually, like, practically, they're just new people in a strange territory and if you think about that that raises a lot of fear concern anxiety don't you think we know the stories of immigrants to america and 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 not only ancient stories but also lived realities today that that those people who who come into our country who who aren't familiar with our culture our customs our language 
that, that raises a lot of concern. And so these people who would have had these natural fears because they're living in a strange new world. Peter doesn't write to them like a lot of the ministers that we see today. Oh my goodness, I don't know what you're going to do. What are you going to do with this place? Where's it all headed? No, Peter. Peter, he writes to them encouragement. He fills them with hope. He, he thoughtfully, pastorally, and theologically fills them with hope. He doesn't just wave his hands and say, hey, don't worry, all will be well. He gives them rooted hope in the theological truths of the gospel and in the practical living out of the gospel. So Peter fills them with hope. And as I think about this, I think we can see Peter is truly following his Lord Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus was always quick to encourage Peter and the others with hope when he was preparing them for certain dangers, pressures, fearful situations that they might face. And uh, just to give you an example uh, instance of this, I want you to listen to Matthew chapter number 10. And, and again, I'm going to read this out of the voice this morning just because uh, I've been enjoying this text translation. Just so you all know, a bunch of dudes from Houston. Uh, came together, scholars from Houston, and they translated the voice. Our friend Jack Wisdom, who's preached in, our, in this church, he was among the, 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 the advisory board and helped do some of the translation of the voice. So, so I, 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 uh, I think it's cool that it's from Houston, um, and then also that somebody that I know uh, helped with this translation that came out. But, uh, but here's, here's the voice, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter number 10. Uh, this is not up there, Brother Will. This one I'm just going to read. So y'all, Jesus says, listen. I am sending you out to be sheep among wolves. Now you must be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. You must be careful. You must be discerning. You must be on your guard. Because there will be men who will try to hand you over to their town councils and have you flogged in their synagogues. Because of me, naysayers and doubters will try to make an example out of you by trying you before rulers and kings. When this happens, when you are arrested and dragged to court, don't worry about what you say or how to say it. The words you should speak will be given to you, for at that moment it will not be you speaking, it will be the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Listen, your task will be fraught with betrayal. Brother will betray brother, even to the point of death. Fathers will betray their children, and children will rebel against their fathers, even to the point of death. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next town. This is the truth. You will not be able to witness in every town in Israel before the Son of Man comes. Everyone will hate you because of me. But remember, the one who stays on the narrow path until the end will be saved. Here's what y'all need to understand. A student is no greater than his teacher. A servant is no greater than his master. 
So it is sufficient if the student is like his teacher and the servant like his master, that if people call the head of the house, as they were calling Jesus, Baal, which means a devil, just imagine what they're calling the members of his household. In verse 26, do not, do y'all know the next two words? Be afraid or fear. Do not be afraid of those who may taunt or persecute you. Everything they do, even if they think they are hiding behind closed doors, it will come to light. All their secrets will eventually be made known, and you should proclaim in the bright light of day everything that I have whispered to you in the dark. Whatever whispers you hear, shout them from the rooftops of the houses. He goes on and he says, don't fear those who aim to kill just the body but are unable to touch the soul. The one to fear is he who can destroy you, soul and body, in the fires of hell. Look, think about this. If you sold just a few sparrows, how much money would you get? You'd probably get a copper coin apiece. Now listen to this. Your father in heaven knows when those small sparrows fall to the ground. And you are, and you, beloved, are worth so much more than a flock of sparrows. God knows everything about you, even the numbers of hairs on your head. So, in conclusion, do not fear. That's our liberating King Jesus. If I'm correct, if I get this right, He's the one that we're supposed to follow, right? He's the one we're supposed to emulate. Peter seems to be following Jesus quite closely. When Peter comes to these people who are living in strange new territory, who are facing new dreads and fears, and instead of inciting them with more fear, dread, despair, doom. Peter gives them hope. Listen, I know that our fears are real. Everything that Jesus said to his disciples, hey, that happened to them. So this is not to say, oh, you don't even have anything to worry about. We have stuff to worry about. Our culture is changing. The world our children are growing up is going to be very AI is kind of a crazy, like, I don't know what's going on with AI and chat GTP. And then they have this whole thing where they have this AI Jesus that you can go ask questions to. Don't do it. I'm just telling you that it's out there, right? These things are very weird. Russia almost was invaded yesterday by, uh, by one who was supposed to be their own military leader of this mercenary group. I mean, there are real fears in this world. So this is not to say, oh, there's nothing really to be afraid of. Here's the thing. Christians aren't the people who go, well, there's not really anything to be afraid of. It's despite your fears and in face of your fears, how are you going to live? And I can tell you, you are not unique. Let me propose this to you. There's nothing unique 
and us Christians sitting around the break room table telling everybody about all the things that are going wrong in this world. You're not insightful. You're not unique. You are really, a lot of times, we're just parroting what we heard somebody else say, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. If we're all wringing our hands. So we face the fears with hope. The real fears. The dreaded fears. The doom that we see on the horizon. It's not that it's not real. It's real. It was real for Jesus. Jesus was actually arrested. He was actually tried. They falsely accused him. And guess what? They got away with the false accusation against him. And then they beat him. They beat him within an inch of his life. And then they tortured him through the suffering death on the cross of Calvary. And he didn't just like pass out. And if anybody, like any reasonable person wants to think he just passed out. Come on. The Roman soldiers knew how to kill somebody, don't you think? Bring him to the brink, keep him alive for a little bit, and just let him die. He died alone. He's the one that works the problem. to fear. That's not the reality. There is a lot to be concerned and worried about and yourself afraid of in this world. But how do we face those things? That's what we're talking about here. How do we confront them? Are we going to live like the people who are going, it's doom, it's despair everywhere? Or are we going to live a unique witness in this world? Are we going to be a unique voice in this world. I would say this, if we are going to be a unique voice in this world, if we are going to be living witnesses of the one who faced death and came out the other side, our liberating King Jesus, then we really have to come back to the question that we asked last week. And the question that we asked last week was, will we accept the encouragement that this ancient letter that Peter writes offers? Another way to say that is whenever I go on through the rest of this message and, and I tell you what encouragement Peter gave, are you going to take that as encouragement for yourselves? Are you going to bring it in? Are you going to go, this is what I'm going to stand on. This is what I'm going to hope in. This is what I'm going to establish some, some, some firm footing in this sifting, wishy-washy world. And, and that's the question. So here's it again. Are you going to accept the encouragement that Peter offers to people who were probably just as afraid as you are in their culture as you are in this world that you are thinking is so utterly different, new, scary. What encouragement does Peter offer? As we're going to see here in just a moment, Peter offers a few things. He says, first of all, we have been given new life. We've been reborn. We have a new, a, a new uh, living, breathing purpose. We have a new identity. We have a new 
understanding. We have a new worldview. We have been given new life. We are no more living for the life that we had before we knew Jesus. We have an inheritance that is incorruptible and it does not fade away and it is reserved in heaven for us. And then here's the other thing that he encourages them with is not only is our inheritance reserved in heaven, you, 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 me, we are being kept. We are being kept. We are being protected. We are being watched over. We are being guarded by God. And whenever I say we are being kept, guarded, watched over, that doesn't mean you, nothing bad's going to happen to you. What that means is your faith. This faith, even if your faith is that faith of a mustard seed, it's so small, it's so timid, it's such a weak faith. Your faith, God sees your faith and he's going to hold on to you and he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you lose your inheritance. He's not going to let you go by the wayside. He's going to fight for you. So this is the encouragement that he gives. And from this encouragement, this is what he, uh, this is what I would encourage, uh, this is what I think that we should walk away with. From this encouragement, we should not face our fears with the dread of impending doom. Rather, we should face them with great hope. Not only for ourselves, but hope for this world. We should face them with great hope. Not only for ourselves, but hope for this world. We should face them not as only that we're longing for salvation. But we should face them as though we have been rescued already. So with that, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I'm going to read it in two different translations. They're going to be up on the, uh, on the screen. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is first number one. Blessed be God. God should be blessed. He should be praised. He should be heralded. He should be exalted. Why? Because he has given us new life. He has made us alive again. He has reborn us. He has given us new life. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a theological hope. We who trust in Jesus, we don't just trust that Jesus died on the cross and that his blood uh, covers our sins. We trust that on the third day he rose to new life and that made his death sufficient. That made his death impactful, meaningful. And so when he rose to new life, what we believe is all those who trust in Jesus have been given new life in Jesus through the spirit now and one day through the resurrection. So blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a, 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 a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What does this this new birth give us it gives us verse number four an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away it is reserved in heaven for you so we have a an inheritance this is the the the, the, the thrux we have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven we have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven jesus told us in matthew chapter number six lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust corrupts. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they can't be moth-eaten, where they can't become rusted and defiled. He says this after he tells us through our generosity, through our prayer, through our spiritual um, uh, spiritual disciplines. He says everything that we do should not be done for ourselves. We should not do things for ourselves. We should do things for the sake of others. Hey, if you're going to go give money to the poor, don't go give money to the poor and go, look what I did. I gave money to the poor. I'm such a good person, aren't I? Guess what? If that's what you wanted, that's your reward. That's the treasure that you got on earth. You didn't reserve anything in heaven. And here's the big kicker. It's not just because you wanted to be seen. It's because you really didn't do it for that person. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about their plight. It wasn't about rescuing them from any kind of mortal danger or, 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 or moment in their life. It was all about you. And what we are supposed to do as Christians is be those who love God and love others like Jesus loves us. He says, hey, if you're going to pray, don't go around and be like, oh, you know, God, look at me. I'm praying to you. He says, you should actually probably go into a prayer closet. You should hide. And it's not just because like, hey, I don't want you to be, you know, uh, you, you know, showy about your prayers. All of that's part of it. It's because whenever you go into your prayer closet and you can pray, you can actually pray for the sake of this world rather than just pray to be seen by people. Look, I'm a prayer. I'm a prayer. Is it that doesn't it make me something? When you fast, the spiritual discipline of fasting, he said, don't, 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 don't walk away from fasting. Like, oh man, look, I'm so, sorry. I'm just, I'm a little beat because I've not eaten for a few days because I care about things so much. So I've been really just seeking the Lord and trying to get God's attention. And I just want him to know that through my fasting. He says, no, whenever you fast, you should actually clean your face and you should pick yourself up. Even though you are feeling physically weak from not eating, you should walk with confidence, not letting people know what you are doing because in that event, you're not doing it for anybody but yourself. And when we do this, when we do these spiritual things even for ourselves and not for others, when you show up to church on Sunday and it's just about you, ugh. you know why we show up on church on Sunday? Yeah, we receive, but we are here for each other. We need each other. And, and if you are one of those who goes, I don't really need this, well, check some things out because all of us need all of us. It's not good for man to be alone, God said. Jesus says when we do these sorts of things, when we do even spiritual good things, we, human good things, but we're doing them for ourselves, we are not storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. We're storing up treasure on earth. And guess what? That treasure on earth, it fades. Somebody's praise today fades very quickly, doesn't it? And you know this because you walk away at the end of the day and people could have been nice to you, kind to you, generous, hospitable to you. And you don't remember that. What you remember is the person who said, why are you wearing that? And you're like, well, how dare they say? And then what you tell your friends is, I was sitting there and they said, why are you wearing that? Like, What's the matter with my outfit, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We can track here. We have an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us. 
And it's reserved in heaven, so it's not going to fade. It's not going to be corrupted. Peter says, be hopeful, be encouraged. But not only is our inheritance reserved in heaven for us, here's what Peter goes on to say. Verse number five. He says, at the end of verse number four, he says, this has been reserved in heaven for you. And then verse five says, you, we could just replace that who with you. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This gives us assurance of our faith, assurance of our salvation. How do I know that God is going to rescue me? Because when you trust in God, he places you in his hand and he says, I'm never going to let you go. Well, how much faith do I have to have? Well, that's what I really love about Jesus saying, if you have faith as small as the grain of a mustard seed, which is a really, really tiny seed, you could do great things. If that's required to do great things, then don't you think that's enough for God to say, I'm never going to let you go. I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. There's this great moment in scripture where a man comes to Jesus and Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but I also have some doubts. Peter encourages them. He says, listen, you've been born again. And this promises you an internal inheritance. It's not something that fades here. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, the legislation that we're celebrating today is not going to last. Woohoo! We got it. We got the law in the books. It's bound to change. That's not where our hope is. That's fleeting. That's fading. That's not eternal hope. That's not an inheritance that we can bank on. You and I, living as testimonies of the gospel, we can bank on that. We can bank on that. Uh, be encouraged. You've been given new life. You have an inheritance. Be encouraged. God, because you trust in him, he's never going to let you go. Whatever you face, whatever, whatever fear you face, God is not going to let you go. This is, it, here's the theological truth. When Jesus faced criminal charges and was sentenced to death, did God let him go? I said this a few weeks ago. I never find in scripture where and whenever the sun went dark, that was God turning his back on his son. In fact, what I find in scripture in Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter number five is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here's how we know God didn't let him go because on the third day, God gave him new life. When he came back to life, God was vindicating him. He was saying, y'all made a wrong judgment about my son. Here's the thing. You and I are going to be living in this strange new world and people are going to make false accusations about us. You're not a patriot. Okay. You don't care about America. You don't care about immigrants. You don't care about uh, LGBTQ. You don't care about uh, racism. You don't care about these things. 
Why? Why are they going to say that? Because you're not in the protest line. Because you're not wearing the banners. You're not flying the flags in your yard. You, you don't have the shirt that says, you know, uh, let's go branded. Like, you are not doing those things and you're not doing the other things, right? You, you're not joining up with the Proud Boys and you're not joining up with Antifa. People are going to go, you need to pick a side. Come on. It's for the sake of this nation. And you go, my home is not here. I have an inheritance. Well, you need to figure out where you're going to be. And in those moments, you're going to think, I ha I'm, I'm, I'm under threat. And you will be under threat. But guess what? You are kept by the power of God. What did Jesus say to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10? They will say all, they will accuse you. They will whisper about you in the dark. And he said, but what they say in the dark will be brought to the light. Your accusers will be found out. My brothers and sisters, we have this, it's not just pastoral, like, hey, come on, get, encourage yourselves, let's go, we can go do something out there. We have theological hope, and our theological hope is that because Jesus was raised from death, we know this, we have new life. Because Jesus was raised from death, we know that what he promised us is actually reserved for us. We have an inheritance reserved in heaven because Jesus was given new life, we know that our faith, through our faith, we are kept by the power of God. Just like Jesus was kept by the power of God, you and I will be kept by the power of God. And I think we need to let that settle in before we move on. This is the encouragement that he wants them to, to root themselves in. I'm not just saying, hey, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to blow over, it's all going to pass. Because things don't blow over and things don't pass. Some of y'all know this in life. It didn't blow over whenever your loved one died. It still is a grief and it's a sorrow and it's a burden that you bear. It didn't blow over whenever you got the cancer diagnosis because the chemo didn't fix the problem. Uh, it didn't blow over when you lost your job. It didn't blow over whenever you made that costly mistake, whatever it was. When you said those words to your wife, she still holds on to them. It hasn't blown over. It's not going to blow over when we're found to be in this world, but not of this world. It's not going to blow over in a society that right now is saying you need to pick a side. You need to pick a team. It's not going to blow over if the church stands up and says, I don't have a team of this world I stand we stand with our liberating King Jesus 
and he promised us that though the trials and afflictions and pressures will come because he was raised from death we have new life and we better get living it we have an inheritance and we better keep our eyes on it and we are kept by the power of God and we better get believing it my brothers and my sisters this is our encouragement this is our hope and here's the question again are we really going to root our lives in it are we going to let this be that which allows us to live with kindness patience generosity hope hopefulness peace love welcome inclusion in the midst of this ruinous, broken, divided, tribalistic, dualistic world. I hope so. With that, I say amen this morning. Will you bow your heads, your hearts with me? Will you this morning uh, 